So Luke chapter one, I'm gonna start in verse 26. I'm reading from the New King James Version. So if you wanna follow along, you can. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? The angel answered her and said to her and said, he said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you The power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that holy one who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Is there anybody in the room grateful for a God who there's nothing impossible for God? And then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to to your word. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. I want to talk to you from this subject today. Let it be. Let it be. Mary's amen to God. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this opportunity to be here today. Thank you for everything that this season means. Thank you that I think above all else, this is a declaration that God, you are for us and with us. Thank you that you love us so much that you would send your son, that you would send your son to die on a cross for our sins. We are grateful today. We are forever, eternally grateful for what you have done for us. We give you the honor and the glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said amen. Amen. You know, as I look at this story, I'm amazed by the greeting of the angel of the Lord, Gabriel, as he comes to Mary and as as we see often in these first couple of chapters as angels are appearing to men and to women, the greeting of the angel is, hey, rejoice, do not be afraid. And I think it's such an incredible thing that Christmas really removes the reasons in our life for fear. Because if God is on our side, then who can be against us? And I thank God that today I really truly have no reason to be afraid Not because the situations in my life aren't scary. No, it's that Jesus trumps every situation in my life. Jesus is greater. He's greater than any fear I have. He's greater than any diagnosis I get. He's greater than anything that anyone could say. He's greater than anything that could come against me. Jesus is greater. And I love that God is able to speak like that and tell us not to be afraid. Why can God tell us not to be afraid? It's because God lives outside of time. And he lives in this this realm called eternity, this space called eternity. So when God speaks to us, he speaks to us in past tense about the battle we're currently fighting. 
And I love it when he comes to us and he says something like rejoice or do not be afraid. It's because he knows the outcome. Are you grateful for a God who knows the outcome of the thing that maybe you haven't even started in or you haven't even began? He already knows how it's going to end. And I'm thankful for that. And so anytime God comes and he says, don't be afraid, fear not or rejoice, it's because he is truly declaring to us the end before we even start. And I'm thankful for that today. And so we see this story. This is a very interesting story. The angel comes, he says, rejoice. And he tells her that she has found favor in the eyes of God, that she is highly favored among women. She is blessed among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at this saying. And I would encourage you to be troubled at the saying as well, because favor never looks like what we think it is going to look like. Favor is always accompanied by trouble. It's, it's, it's one thing for God to show you through his favor and kindness how much he loves you, but it's another thing when favor reveals what's in the people and the situations around you. And so not only is, is favor God declaring that he loves you, he's gonna bless you, he's gonna take care of you, he's gonna be with you, but it's also a declaration that, hey, some things are gonna begin to happen around you that you don't understand. And it's okay to be troubled at the favor of the Lord. And he tells her, he says, hey, listen, don't be afraid. I, I know that this seems scary. I know that this seems weird. I know that this seems strange. But rejoice, fear not. And he tells her what she's going to carry. And I love this because for all of us, uh, for all of us, you know, the Bible teaches us that the Holy Spirit, he, he overshadowed Mary and she became pregnant with Jesus, and Mary's, Mary's purpose in life was to reveal Jesus to the world. And that's our purpose too, isn't it? And the only way we do this is by the Holy Spirit overshadowing us so that we can reveal Jesus. And I think it's very important that we see that Mary carried her deliverance. And I think it's no different for you and I. I think there is something in our life that we are carrying. You know, uh, one of our team members, Courtney Livingston, she's, she's just had a baby this week. But she's been in the office for uh, the whole nine months of her pregnancy. And she was up in the office up until the day, you know, days of her, her pregnancy and, and then all the way into the birth weekend. She's, she's been in the office and there were some moments where you could tell that Courtney was not comfortable. Does any of the ladies in the room know what I'm talking about? It's been eight years since I watched Monica go through a pregnancy. But when you are carrying a baby, uh, it is a very agitating, uncomfortable situation. And I'm thankful that I don't have to go through that. It is, it is painful to watch. It makes, it, it makes me get, uh, I don't know if, if uh, any of the other men do this, but, but I, I gain weight because of all of the sadness I feel for her. Like I'm, I'm watching her like eating ice cream. Like how in the world is she doing it? Like I'm feeling sorry for myself. I'm feeling sorry for her. And there's so much agitation that comes with carrying something like that, carrying a burden, carrying a weight, carrying something that, that 
that, that is making you look different and walk different and act different. And the thing about all of us, though, is all of us are carrying something. You might not be carrying a baby full term, but you are carrying something. But I have good news for you today that the thing you're carrying will also be the thing that will deliver you. You have to understand this morning that when you get to the end of that thing, it's not going to be the thing that ends you. It's going to be the thing that delivers you and saves you and rescues you. The Bible says that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. I have to go through something to have a testimony. I have to be tested to have a testimony. I have to have carried something so that I can be delivered. And so it teaches us that whatever we're carrying, in, I know it's agitating you. I know it's disturbing you, but it will also deliver you. And the Bible says in verse 34, it says, Mary, she goes, she goes, well, you know, that's, that's interesting, but uh, how is this going to happen since I don't know or haven't known a man? And I love this part because it's, it's, it's how Mary um, lets God know she's not qualified to do what he's asking her to do. I don't know about anybody in the room, but I, I don't feel like I've ever felt qualified to do what God has asked me to do. And I think it's the nature of God to come to someone who and ask them to do something that they feel totally unqualified to do. Let me tell you something. If you feel qualified to do what God has called you to do, you haven't truly seen what God has called you to do. If you feel like you have what it takes to do what God has called you to do, you haven't really seen the thing that God has called you to do. It will always cause this response. How can this be? How is, how is this going to work with somebody like me? How are you gonna accomplish the thing that you are saying you're gonna accomplish with someone like me? Don't you know my past? Don't you know my record? Don't you know what I have done? Don't you know what I haven't done? Don't you know where I've been, where I haven't been? Don't you know? And God is like, yeah, I know exactly who you are. I know exactly where you've been. I know exactly what you've done. And I'm still calling you. I'm still calling you, and I love this, that Mary, she recognizes, I'm never, I'll never be qualified to do what God has called me to do. So what, what is the thing that makes me able to do what God has called me to do? It's the power of the Holy Spirit, and I'm thankful that the Holy Spirit wasn't just something that was poured out in the book of Acts. It's someone that we see through the entire Bible. He is active, and he is moving, causing people to do what they cannot do on their own. Is there anybody in the room thankful again for the power? of the Holy Spirit that makes you able to do things you are unable to do. I was, I was at the gym the other day, and I, I was, I've been working out at the gym and for, for this same gym for years, and I've seen the same group of people because I go about the same time every day, and I've seen them, and we have talked. We have had conversations. And, and the other day, one of the guys that, that is, he's, he's there, he kind of slips in and out, and we, I, I barely get to see him. Uh, he's there, and I've seen him for a couple days in a row, and, and so we finally start, start to talk and have a conversation. He goes, hey, I just wanted to let you know that uh, I've been going to your church. And uh, I said, that's awesome, that's good to hear. And we're over by the door, he's getting ready to leave, and I'm just coming in. And, and the guy on the treadmill goes, hey, uh, uh, I go to your church too. I'm like, well, we've been talking for three years. Like, how in the world have, do I not know? And then the girl that, that is there all the time, she comes out the door and she goes, yeah, me too. I, I go to your church too. And I'm like, 
And all of a sudden, I get like, I, I, I'm, I'm unable to, to talk. And, and the one guy goes, the one guy goes, he goes, uh, you know, I just, you're so quiet and you're so reserved. And I just didn't want to ever bother you or tell you. And, and, and I'm, I'm like, yeah, listen, listen, the guy that you see on stage, that's a Holy Spirit thing. Like, I can barely talk to people in public. I'm sitting there like, how, what did we, uh, you, and, and they're looking at me like, wow, you are, you are really being used by God on Sundays. It's hard for you to have a conversation with people. I'm thankful, come on, man, for the power of the Holy Spirit that causes you to do what you are unable to do on your own. Man, he's so good, he's so faithful. And there's one thing I need you to, to, know, to know. I heard this said this week, and, and I, I, have to, I have to share this with you. I, I didn't want to. I put it down in my notes. It says sidebar. I don't know if you've ever been to uh, like traditional uh, black church where, you know, and the pastor will be preaching, and he'll be like sidebar. And he, it's like rabbit trail. It's like a whole different, okay, I, I just, I love church. <laughs> I just, I'm a, I'm a church nerd, so I know a lot about church. But anyway, sidebar. One of the things that we need to understand about the favor of God is it's something that we have to, we have to say yes to. We have to say yes to. And what's, what's, what's hard about saying yes to God's favor sometimes is that favor is really honor. One of the definitions of, of favor is that it, it means God is honoring us. And one of the things I find so hard about God honoring me is that I, I don't believe that I deserve any honor, right? We always say, all the honor is yours, all the praise is yours. But I, I heard this this week and it really challenged me, is that if you don't know how to receive honor, then you won't have a crown to lay at his feet. I heard that this week and it, it made me think of this. It made me think that you should never apologize for the favor of God that is on your life. You should never apologize or feel bad that God has used you or is blessing you or is gifting you or is giving things to you. You should never apologize for that. Can somebody say amen? amen. Because listen, if you don't know how to receive honor, you'll have nothing to lay at his feet. All right, I thought sidebar. Rabbit trail. All right, so we jump in, and then Mary, Mary, Mary hears all of this. She says, God, how is this gonna be possible? The angel tells her. And then she says this. This is what I think is the most fascinating thing about all of this. She hears everything that God's gonna do, how he's gonna do it. She knows exactly what this is gonna mean for her. She is engaged to be married. And she says, let it be. I wonder how many of us, if God were to have shown us a picture of what the last 10 years of our life looked like, would we have said, let it be? She said, let it be. Why? Because God's word is a seed. My amen, my let it be, is the soil. I heard a pastor say years ago, he said, every prophetic word of God, everything that God declares over your life, it's, it's truly, it comes with conditions. Like you're, 
your participation is required. God isn't a God who just picks people up and drags them around and makes them do stuff. It truly requires your participation. And I just wanted to ask you the question this morning. Like, are you saying yes to God? Because God's word is a seed. Your yes is the soil. And watch what God is able to do when you look through scripture with people who are willing to say yes. I I don't know what God is asking you to do. I don't know what he is pulling on your heart to do. I don't know what step of faith he is asking you to take, but I know he's asking something. I know he's asking something of all of us that would take us just a little bit further out into the unknown, just a little bit further away from our plans, just a little bit further away from our strategy. And our willingness to say yes is our amen to God. The, the, the Bible says that God's word, it's a double-edged sword. And it has two edges because one edge is it coming out of his mouth. The other edge is when it comes out of our mouth. The Bible teaches us in 2 Corinthians, it tells us this, it says that every promise in God is yes in Christ. All of God's promises in Christ are yes, and to his glory, literally what the Bible is saying there is we say amen. In other words, God loves to say yes, but do you say yes to God? In other words, God's favorite word is actually yes. And even when God says no, he's actually saying yes. Because God never takes something to leave you empty-handed. Anytime God says no, he's trying to get something better into your hands. And so it's not a matter of, does God want to bless me? Is God's favor on my life? Is God for me? Or is he against me? Does God love me? Does God forgive me? Does God want to do something? No, God is always saying yes. The question is, are you saying amen to what God is saying to you? Mary said, let it be. I know it sounds weird. I know it sounds strange. I know people are going to look at me funny. But yeah, I'll do it. What are you willing to do for God that's going to embarrass you? Because that's when you begin to walk in faith. (laughs) It doesn't take faith to go to a bank and ask for a mortgage. They're giving money to anybody. It doesn't take faith to go get a car. All of this stuff that we connect faith to has nothing to do with faith. We're like, God bless me with this house. No, your credit score got you that house. God, and and I, I want you to understand that, yeah, maybe there is, there is a level of faith that is required to, to ask questions and to step out and, and do some things that are uncomfortable, but, I, but I'm not talking about stuff that makes your bank account bigger or gives you a bigger house or gives you a smoother ride. I'm talking about stuff that's going to deliver you and other people. 
A house isn't going to save anybody. A car ain't going to save anybody. God wants to do more than just give you a house and give you a car and give you stuff. Matter of fact, that stuff comes just by seeking him. If, if you'll seek him, he said, I'll take care of your clothes. I'll take care of a roof over your head. I'll give you food. But I want to do more than just put a roof over your head and give you food and give you clothes to wear. I want to do stuff that impacts you to such a degree that it changes the world. And by the world, I'm not talking about somebody over in Africa. I'm just talking about your world. I'm just talking about somebody connected to you that it makes a difference for more than just you, that your faith makes a difference for more than just you. And for it to make a difference for more than just you, you have to say yes to the stuff that God is saying yes to in your life. Yeah, we say yes to God, but we say yes to the things that God isn't saying yes to in our life. God, I'll say yes to that promotion, but listen, don't, don't, don't ever let me lose that job. I'll say, I'll say yes to influence, but don't ever let me go through something. Not understanding that the loss of one thing is a yes from God to another thing. Not, not understanding that rejection here is an open door here. This is what God is trying, trying, to, trying to show us that, listen, Psalm 84 and 11 says, for the Lord our God is the sun and shield. He gives grace and glory. The Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. Watch this. That's a scary verse. Because why? Because I don't always do what is right. But 2 Corinthians 1 and 20 is the fulfillment of Psalm 84 and 11. You have to understand something. The Old Testament is incomplete. It is, and it, it is old because it's, it's old. It's old because there's something new. I don't know if there's anybody thankful for a new covenant. The old covenant says, hey, I'll give you every good thing if you'll do what is right. The new covenant says, all of God's promises in Christ are yes and amen. So I don't do good to get what is good. I get good because he has been good to me. I don't know if there's anybody in the room who is thankful for a God who fulfills all of his promises, not because of your goodness, but because of his goodness. I'm in Christ, so everything that belongs to Christ belongs to me. Oh, man. Revelation 3 and 14 says, these things saith the amen. He is the amen. Think about that for a second. God is, let it be. There are so many people who have a wrong view of God. They have this, this beggar mentality when it comes to God. And Jesus coming into the earth, no reason God said, fear not, don't be afraid, joy to the world. Why? Because God was saying, yes. God was saying, let it be. Let freedom be. Let, let peace be. Let, let independence be. Let, let your joy come back. God was saying, let it be. Jesus is God's amen to the world. Does God, does God love me? Jesus is God's amen. Yes. Can God forgive me? Jesus is God's amen. Yes. 
Can God deliver me? Jesus is God's amen, yes. Can God heal me? Jesus is God's amen, yes. Can God do this? Jesus is God's amen, yes. Can God use me? Jesus is God's amen, yes he can. Second Peter one and three says, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and his goodness. In the Old Testament, you got according to how you did. In the New Testament, you get according to how he has done. The Old Testament, you were blessed according to your uh, ability to perform. In the New Testament, you are blessed according to God's ability to perform through Jesus. Now, how many of you would say your ability to perform sometimes falls short? Even if you don't believe it, the Bible says you do. For all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. None of us could uphold the bargain, or none of us could uphold our end of Psalm 84, 11. God gives good things to those who do what's right. You couldn't do it. But he did what's right. So now I'm blessed, not according to my performance, I'm blessed according to his. So I put my faith in his performance and not my own performance. Romans 8 and 32 says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us? Some of y'all need to say that right now because you don't believe this about God. How will he not give us graciously all things? Some of us picture God as like he's holding back. And he's, wait, he's waiting for us to give the right amount in the offering. He's waiting for us to attend enough services. He's waiting for us to have a good enough prayer life. He's waiting for us to read our Bible enough. He's waiting for us to serve in enough ministries in the church. He's waiting for us to give enough before he's like, okay. You met the threshold. You've crossed over into goodness. No, I receive because in Christ, all the promises of God are yes and amen. You will never deserve to be healed. But Jesus does. You will never deserve the blessing of God. If you look at one thing that you have in your life and you think that you earned it, you, you have missed it completely. You have to look at every good thing in your life and give glory to God for it. Because if you and I got what we had earned, if we got what we deserved, we would have nothing. But because he is good, because he is gracious, you will never be able to do enough to earn what God wants to do in your life. Some people in this room, you're sick in your body today, and some of you are believing that, man, if maybe, maybe I'm not good enough to be healed. 
Maybe, maybe I'm not strong enough to be healed. Maybe I've not been faithful enough to be healed. Maybe I've, maybe I've not been a good enough dad to be healed. Maybe, maybe, I, maybe I wasn't a good enough husband to be healed. Maybe, maybe I didn't go to church enough to be healed. Maybe I didn't give enough in the offering to be healed. Listen to me, none of that stuff will ever purchase your healing. Do you know who purchased your healing? His name is Jesus. He paid for it on the cross. Do you know who purchased the blessing? His name is Jesus, and he paid for it on the cross. I want to end there, but I want to share something with you that's just been on my heart as I've been reading Luke 1 and Luke 2 all week. I want to say something to you. And this is both for older people and younger people. One of the things that I notice in Luke 1 and Luke 2 is there's a lot of old people. It's a lot of old people in Luke 1 and 2. I'm not saying they're old. The Bible says they're old. I don't know. Well, we do, we do know one, one person's age. It was 84. And, but but this, is, this is what I see in Luke 1 and 2. This is what I see about Jesus. And this is what I see about a life that has lived for God That most of, the, most of the stuff that God wants to do for us happens when we're older. And what I see so much of is young people. Because the stuff they've been praying for and the stuff they've been asking for and the things they've been dreaming about not happening. I watch them get frustrated with God, deconstruct their faith and walk away from God because they haven't received what they've been praying for. But what I see throughout scripture is a lot of old people getting stuff that they prayed for when they were young. And I just want to encourage you, do not give up while you are young. In Luke chapter one, you see Zechariah and Elizabeth. And the Bible says in Luke chapter one, verse 13, that an angel visits them. The angel didn't just visit Mary and Joseph. An angel visits Zechariah. And he says to Zechariah, this is what he says. Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. This is wild to me because, because this man has been serving as a priest for most of his life. He, is, he has been in God's house praying and seeking the Lord. He has been faithfully attending church for a long, long time and praying a prayer for a long, long time that it seemed like God wasn't even listening to. He didn't come to him and say, hey, Zechariah, God has answered your prayer. He said, Zechariah, I want you to know that God heard your prayer. How long has he gone praying and it feeling like God wasn't hearing a word he was saying, but he kept praying. I just want to tell you something today. Never stop praying. You have no idea at what point in your life God is going to come. And he's going to say, hey, listen, you remember what you prayed when you were 20? I heard you. And the answer is here. Don't give up when you're 40 on something God will deliver to you in your 70s. Zechariah said, God, how, can, how is this going to happen? I'm old now. 
My prayers have changed. Your prayer might have changed, but his ability never changes. And God can perform in your old age what you only thought he could do in your young age. He said, I'm old. And not only am I old, my wife, she's old too. (laughs) We're past that season. We're beyond that season of fruitfulness. You never get beyond seasons of fruitfulness as a believer. You could be 90 years old in this room right now, and God's plan for you is you to be, for you to be fruitful. I was talking to someone the other day, and, and they said, yeah, yeah, my son. And, and I was like, yeah, I was talking about my son. And, and uh, I'm there. I'm, I'm 41. I have an eight-year-old. And I think I'm, I'm an old haver of an eight-year-old. I was talking to this guy. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm 65. And I was like, wow, that's, that's awesome. So is your son, is he in college? Is he graduated? No, he's, he's, he's six. Oh, man. In Luke chapter two, I told you we'd get to Luke chapter two. But in Luke chapter two, there's a, there's a man named Simeon. And the Bible said that, that Simeon said God told him that he would not die before he saw the Messiah. And in Luke chapter two, verse 29, he said, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. <laughs> I'm 84 years old. And the thing that I have been looking for my whole life is finally here. Can you imagine 84 years? You've never found what you were looking for. But for 84 years, you've been hanging out around God's house just believing that someday I'm going to see the thing that I've been waiting for. And your 84-year-old self shows up to church one day. And the thing that you've been believing for your whole life. Finally, don't quit while you're 40. Don't quit while you're 50. There is so much more that God has for your life. There's an old lady named Anna. Just a couple verses later, the Bible says about Anna, she, in Luke chapter two, verses 36 through 38, there was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel. So, so much for people who believe in women should be quiet in church. There's a prophet in the house of God. Just, just saying, that's right there. And that's before the new covenant even. All right, bless the Lord. Didn't even mean to go there. Sidebar. <laughs> Anna, the daughter of Peniel, uh, uh, of the tribe of Asher, she was, she was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. This, she was 84 years old. She, watch this. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. 84 years old. Do you notice, you notice what, I, you, what do I notice about all three of these stories? You know where they were? They were all near and around the house of God. What do I do when I'm praying but I'm not receiving? Go to church. What do I do when I'm worshiping but I'm not experiencing? Go to church. Because you have no idea. What do I do? You keep praying. What do I do? You keep worshiping. Why? Because he heard you. And he is hearing you. 
You have no idea how and when he will respond. Will you stand with me?